So good to see all of you. And uh, y'all look good tonight. I see some faces of some people, very familiar. It's good to see you, Brother Landon, my friend Landon, Roy Little. Good to see you. God bless you. Good to have you guys here. Man, you know, it feels like, I was talking to Pastor Brian, I said, man, it doesn't feel like it's been this long, but you know, the first time that I ever came to Albemarle, I believe the first year was 2011, was the very first time. He said, when did we meet? And it was 2011 was the first time, and it feels like time's flying by. Now we're already into 2019, and you know, we're on the verge. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. And uh, I like what the Bible says, that we're redeeming the time for the days are evil. We know Jesus without question. We see signs from the Word of God that he's coming very soon. How many are ready to see him when he comes? And uh, this whole week, I mean, we've been focusing, and as I told you, the Lord spoke to me. He said, at the beginning of the week, he said, take this verse of Scripture, in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and preach it every single service that you have a session. And I want you to turn with me if you do, if you have your Bible with you, Revelation 5. Two verses of scripture we looked at and the Lord said, break these seven things down through each session. Take one per session and break it down. You know, as I said each night, many people think all salvation did was get you fire insurance so that you don't have to go to hell. But salvation did more than save your spirit man from eternal damnation. In fact, there are many blessings that accompany salvation. And in this passage of scripture, I'm going to read you seven of those, what we call the redemptive benefits of salvation. And it'll blow your mind to see Jesus had your entire well-being on his mind when he was giving his life for you. Amen. God loves you, has a plan for you, and this outlines it. And I want you to look at it with me. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, let's start in verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. What were they saying? Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive. Stop right there. And understand, Jesus died to receive some things. Jesus died to receive some things. Not for himself, but for you. Amen. You know, if let, let's, let's go through and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Revelation 5.12, he says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power. Hallelujah. And riches. And wisdom. And might. And honor. And glory. And blessing. Seven redemptive benefits of salvation. Jesus Christ died to receive power. Now let's stop right there. He didn't die to receive power for himself. He already had power. He said, all power is given unto me. And then he said, I give unto you all power. Hallelujah. So he didn't die to get power for himself. He died to purchase power for his children. And he said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my Father. What he was really saying was, when I get there, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So he didn't die to get power for himself, died to get it for us. Amen. Somebody say it's transferable. He said, power and riches. 
You know, people get all, well, brother, you know, that means spiritual riches. Hallelujah. No, go into the Greek language and you'll see the word pluteo or plutos. It means natural, physical wealth and riches. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, that Christ became poor. Though he was rich, he became poor. That through his poverty, he could make you, say the word, rich. Well, brother, you know, that just means that we'll be meek and lowly at heart. No, it's not at all what it means. It means that he wants to bless you financially to the place where you've got more than enough to do what he's called you to do. He wants you to walk in the overflow, not in the lack that the rest of the world's experiencing. He wants you to walk in a place where you have more than enough to the point that not only are you blessed, but those that come in contact with you are blessed. Those in your proximity get blessed. That you don't just have enough to pay your bills and to do all the things that you have responsibilities to do. But once all that is done, you still are empowered to be a blessing to this generation. The Bible said that he would bless us and make us a blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm not getting into all this tonight because I'm only going to talk about one. But he said, and honor and glory and blessing. I only got two left. We covered all the other ones. Tomorrow night when I preach, I'll preach on honor. Tonight I'll preach on blessing. And the blessing. He said, I want to purchase for you blessing. Now people look at stuff and think the stuff is the blessing. The stuff is not the blessing. The stuff is the result of the blessing. A blessing is a proclamation. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. The blessing is a proclamation. God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and he said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. The Bible says that the man Abraham became very rich in herds and cattle and gold and silver. He was rich, not spiritually rich, rich, rich. I said rich, rich. I talked about his son Isaac the other night in Genesis 26. The Bible says he got so blessed, he sowed in a land of famine, reaped in the same year a hundredfold to the point that the Bible says the Philistines started to envy him when they looked at the level to which God was blessing him. To the point where Pharaoh showed up at his doorstep. Ding dong. Hey, uh, Isaac, I'm going to have to ask you to do me a favor. Just go ahead and take your people and all your stuff and move somewhere else because you've become too mighty for us God wants to bless your family to the degree that you are too mighty for your enemies too mighty for poverty too mighty for lack too mighty for sickness too mighty for disease I wish I had somebody in here tonight that was ready for a blessing that takes you to the next level God don't want you to struggle he wants you to be blessed Somebody shout, the struggle is over. I am so sick. If I have to go on Facebook one more time and see some dumb Christian put hashtag the struggle is real. If the struggle is real, you need to get saved. I said, if the struggle is real, you're doing it wrong. Well, brother, you know how it is. They love to quote half scriptures to you. Well, brother, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Yeah, read the rest of it. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Not some. All. Because he's a deliverer. Woo, glory to God. I say he's a deliverer. Not out of some. You know, Jesus didn't die and do all this work 
be tortured, killed. So he could say, now listen, if you think life is hard, join yourself to me. I'll show you what hard is. That's how people think Jesus, you know, that's how his ministry works. Well, brother, I didn't know what a hard life was till I became a Christian. Then I really found out what hard. You're doing it wrong. I said, you're doing it wrong. Pull the instruction manual back out. Read the instruction manual. You've heard me tell the story about when I bought that princess castle for my daughter at Christmas time. You've heard me tell that? I haven't told that in years. But I was ticked off. Because you know I'm a man. I can figure out how to put a princess castle together. I don't need no instruction book. I can figure it out. So first thing I did, grabbed the instruction book, threw it over my shoulder. Because I can do three things at once. I can watch a show, cook a pizza, and make a princess castle. I had that thing put together. Then I'm sitting there, it's late night now, Christmas Eve, and I'm just, now go, finally, it's together. But I look over at the box, and there's like 17 pieces left. And it looks like it's done. And I try to push the buttons, the lights don't come on. The sounds, the songs don't play. By this time, I'm so angry, I have my Benelli 12-gauge shotgun pointed at the castle with buckshot, triple-aught buckshot is in the, ready to take this thing out. And my wife, as only women can do, you know. She slides into the room as gracefully as, you know, like the vision of Catherine Kuhlman in 2019. And she says, maybe you'd like to try looking at the instructions. And slips back out of the room. And I thought, my God, maybe I will. I finally pulled him out. So, oh, that's, I went wrong there. Yep, that's the one I went wrong there. That should have gone here. Oh, that's why that's left or it was going in here. And by the time I followed the instruction manual, I had the whole thing together. It shouldn't have took me three hours. should have took me 30 minutes. But because I decided to do it my way, I was frustrated and ready to quit the whole thing, and it ain't working out. And people are wondering, how come it ain't working out? Why am I frustrated? How come my harvests aren't coming? Pick the instruction manual back up again and say, Lord, which wrong move did I make, and how do I get back on track? Because when God gives you an instruction, it's not to manipulate you it's to take you higher into a place you've never been my instruction from God is like a GPS in the Holy Ghost that'll say turn left when it's time to turn left turn right when it's time to turn right and if I ever make a mistake God don't take me to the beginning to start all over he just recalculates my route and puts me right back on track I need an instruction that'll take me higher Somebody shout amen. amen. When God puts the blessing on you, the stuff ain't the blessing. It's the result of the blessing. The blessing is his pronouncement of his favor over your life. It's his pronouncement. When God speaks and says something, oh my Lord, things have to respond to what he says. That's why the Bible said, Isaiah 55, he's talking about his own word. He said, when my word comes out of my mouth, it always accomplishes what I send it to do, never returns to me empty or void, and it prospers in the thing whereunto I've sent it. So watch this. God's word carries the power to perform. And it performs in every situation. It performs in every environment. It performs in every country. This holds the same value in every country you go to. I've been to other countries. You know what happens? You come in through the border, and then when you want to get in there and start having a little commerce, you got to stop, and you got to 
change out some currency. And you got to get some of the local currency in order to get it. But you know what they have? An exchange rate. Why do they have that? Because not every country's currency carries the same value. I was recently down in Jamaica. When I went in, one U.S. dollar will get you back 112 Jamaican dollars. That's the difference in value in our currencies. And so all I have to do when I go in, I exchange my money and take their money, but I get much more of theirs than I'm giving them. Why? Difference in value. If you were to go to South Africa, much difference in value. You go to, to the UK and you get, if you go into Britain and you get pounds, much different value. You go throughout the UK and you use the euro dollar, it's worth more than our dollar. So we're, ours is worth less than theirs. But let me tell you, when you take this word to France, it carries the same value in France. It carries the same value in London, England. It carries the same value in Nigeria. Carries the same value in Brazil. Carries the same value in Jamaica. I've seen this word work miracles in the islands of the Caribbean. It's worked miracles all through the nations of Africa. This word will carry power in Central and South America. I'm getting ready to step on the shores of Brazil and just a few months and I'm going to preach the gospel for two weeks and I don't have to go through any kind of an exchange rate to get something back for this word that I'm about to take in because when God's word goes forth it carries power to perform so let me show you something that's powerful is that when God pronounces a blessing over your life it supersedes the natural order of living what does that mean your government could shut down and be in a recession, God's blessing still works. Yeah. Woo, glory to God. The mob could put a hit out on you. And guess what? The word still works. It don't matter. The circumstances mean nothing. Because what are you going to do? Point you, like what devil thinks it's going to float into heaven and point its little bony finger in God's face and say, I know you thought you were going to bless your children, but I say they can't be blessed. I'm going to curse them. They tried that in the Old Testament. And an evil king went and tried to hire a prophet to curse God's own people in the book of Numbers. And he said, take some money because I can't defeat them. They're too strong. So you're a prophet. Your word comes to pass. Take some money and go curse God's people so so I can defeat him. And he said, well, I don't know if you know how prophecy works, but I have to inquire of the Lord first. So he went to get to praying and he went in there and began to pray. And God said, I've checked my people out and I don't find any fault with them. And I'm not going to curse them. I've already pronounced a blessing over them. So the prophet came back and said, hey, king, here's your money back. All I can tell you is I asked the Lord and he said he's found no fault and I can't curse what God's already blessed. I can't curse what God's... I came to encourage you tonight. There's nobody on this earth that can curse what God's already blessed. There's no witch. There's no wizard. There's no boss. There's no manager. No corporation. No government. No evil group of people that meet behind closed doors and shake hands to agree on your demise that can stop the blessing of God that's already been pronounced over your life you can't curse what God has blessed shout yes you can't curse what God's blessed I told you it bears repeating again I'll tell it till the day I die I was down in 
Orlando, Kissimmee, Florida, preaching in a church I'd never been in. And I felt the Holy Ghost bubble up. And I said that phrase, you can't curse what God's blessed. And then I just started listing things. But out of my spirit came, Santeria doesn't hold the same power as the Holy Ghost. People practice, and I went off. I had never gone off talking about Santeria in my life. I was like, people come in here practicing Santeria. Think they're going to pronounce curses. You can't curse what's God's blessed. Then I gave them a real spiritual one. I'm rubber in your glue. Whatever you say bounces off me and sticks to you. It must be spiritual. It rhymes. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, people are really stretching to give like New Year's prophecies, you know, trying to rhyme it. You know, it's really, they're stretching. 2018, it's the year to skate mean. It was like, no, world are you talking about? And I began to say, and when I was saying that, a couple jumped up angry and stormed out of the church. And I said to the pastor, after, I said, what was that about? He said, you saw him leave? I said, yeah. He said, I don't even know really who they are. They'll show up every now and then. And when I was building the church, they said to me, you won't be here long. Because my husband and I, we practice Santeria. We've got plans to curse you. We'll drive you out of here. This whole region's run by Santeria. That's what they told him. He said, I don't even know why they come. They'll just pop in every now and then to try to curse me. And as I said that, boom, the power of God hit them, and they had to get out. The next day, we were at lunch at one of my favorite places. You know what it is, Texas Day Brazil. I was eating all-you-can-eat meat. That, see, that's an evangelist heaven right there. You, they bring you a little thing, you turn it to green, and people just keep coming with meat. It's a wonderful thing. I don't turn it to red because I believe in overflow. Anyway. And we're sitting there, and he gets a text on his phone. There was another guy in his church who worked in a warehouse. And the guy in the warehouse, the boss that ran the whole thing, he told him personally, and he didn't like him because he was a Holy Ghost-filled Christian. He said, don't you be talking to any of these people in here about Jesus or about going to church, and don't you invite them to church. You are not welcome to do that in this warehouse. And the guy was frustrated because he said, but the manager, he practiced Santeria, and he would talk to everybody in the warehouse about it and invite them to meetings at his house. He was doing exactly what I wasn't supposed to be allowed to do. And he said, not only that, he started holding back part of my pay. And he'd start manipulating my paycheck because he didn't like me as a Holy Ghost-filled Christian. He said, but when you said that yesterday, I felt something break in the Holy Ghost. I came back into work on Monday, and the company came to me and said, hey, we've let this guy go, and he's no longer a part of the company. God knows how to go out in front of you and remove every obstacle out of your way. I'm telling you, get ready, because whatever presented a problem to you before tonight is getting ready to run out of your your way in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody say, get out, get out of my way. It's funny to me how people think they can be blessed, but they don't have a responsibility to the word or to the things and the systems God set up in the earth. They think they're going to fly by the seat of their pants like they're the spiritual lone ranger. Walk in the blessing of God. Well, I don't need a church. Hallelujah. I'll have church at home. No, you won't. Because there's an actual scripture in the Bible that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some, which means some knuckleheads already do it. But as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather all the more. 
while we gather online. Good luck with that. Thanks for all the shouts. Preaching real. Because you got people in this generation, and they're frustrated. Lives are falling apart. And don't understand, I'm going to another working out. Because you can't go outside of God's instruction and system and think things are going to just begin to magically work. Oh, Jesus, that's wonderful how it's working. It ain't working. And we got to have structure. we got to have a system. And we have to operate by God's principles if we want to see the blessing. That's why I can't even stand listening to these guys with this, you know, greasy grace message that says, whatever you feel to do, you just do it. And listen, God doesn't mind because it's not about you. It's about him. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did. And you don't, Christian, some of them will tell you, Christians don't even need to repent if you sin because your past, present, and future sins are already forgiven. It's not about you. It's about him. And if that's that's the case Paul wasted a whole lot of ink and parchment writing letters back to churches instructing them don't fall back into sin don't sin anymore stop giving in to the desires of the flesh stop doing that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9 27 I gotta put my body under on a daily basis so that after having preached to others I would not become disqualified for eternal life he said it doesn't matter how you look in church doesn't matter how you preach doesn't matter how you dress if your life doesn't contain holiness and obedience to the instructions of God then there's no blessing see how the, the shouting just kind of wanes when you preach like that I can preach to you like they do on Christian TV today and have this place jumping I came to tell somebody it don't matter what you've been going through it don't matter what you did it don't matter where you came from there's a turnaround I feel a shift in the atmosphere somebody's getting ready to jump into your next season of double portion overflow quadruple Look. But ain't nobody can get on TV and prophesy over the whole nation. You're all getting ready to jump into a double portion. No, they ain't. Some people will lose out because they won't obey the instructions of God. Obedience is the key to blessing. Obedience. Obedience. And when the blessing comes upon you, it doesn't matter who wants it off you. They don't have the power. They don't have the power. I said they don't have the power. Funny. We've got too many ministers that got themselves a little bit of a, uh, you know, ordination paper from a website, website they found online. <laughs> got a little website. Well, brother, I feel to minister. I feel I'm a minister. Hallelujah. I'm a minister. They ain't never done nothing in their life. Who you sat under? Where'd you get your impartation from? You know, it's funny. Church is the only place people do this. I have never wandered into a hospital like, I feel I'm a surgeon. I just have a calling of a surgeon upon my life. And then get offended and start chewing out the doctors when they won't let me operate on people. Well, you've never let me operate on people one time in this hospital. I think I'll leave and find another hospital. All this hospital wants is my money. What in the world? Who, who here has ever walked into your garage, your local garage, and said, ain't nobody in here that's ever let me work on a car? I've been in here 300 times for an oil change. Nobody's ever asked me to fix an engine. 
But in church, everybody's a preacher. Pastor, you've never had me preach a Sunday morning. I wonder why. Never asked me to be on the praise team. You just came into church in the same hot pants you went to the club in last night. Talking about the blessing of God. You just can't take it. You can't steal it. You can't steal it. It comes through obedience to the word. Obedience to the word. Somebody shout obedience to the word. When God pronounces a blessing, nobody can stop it. You know what's interesting is that God will bring you surprise blessings. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and it's not entered into the heart of any man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. God has things prepared for you that no eye has seen. Think about that. No ear has heard. That means they're unheard of blessings. That when they take place in your life or ministry and you tell people about it, you know what they'll say? I ain't never heard of nothing like that. Yeah. yeah, you know why you haven't? It's an unheard of blessing. I never seen nothing like that before. You know why? No, I have seen it. Yeah. <sighs> I'm about to run around this room. It says it hadn't entered into the heart of any man. That means no one's imagined it. <sighs> Can I tell you, when God starts doing stuff like that for you, it's a testimony of his goodness. Because it proves a point to those that are unbelievers, they couldn't have got that themselves. They couldn't have done that themselves. Only God could have done what's happening right here. Somebody say, no eye, no ear, no heart. God's got stuff for you set aside. Surprise. Pow. Surprise. Surprise. That thing's getting ready to jump out and startle you. Pow. Surprise. Blessing. <laughs> Woo! Every time I look at Brother John, I say, thank God for surprises. Thank God for surprises. Thank God for surprises. It's already two contracts that have come in brand new and one completely paid off that had been, hadn't heard from him in seven months, but supernaturally. Two brand new contracts and one completely paid off in just a matter of three days. Wow, surprise come here Ralph this is Ralph I'm so happy to have Ralph and Jenna here and they, they work for our ministry in there from Virginia Beach I love this guy I've known him for so many years now and uh, there was you were just believing he works for a company where he's you know traveling doing sales and things and you were believing for a new vehicle and um, you just were wondering, you were praying, and I know you and your wife were praying, Jenna were praying, you're like, God, this is not going to be something where we're in debt again or whatever, God's going to pay cash. Right. And your confession was the blessing of the Lord. See, because this man and this woman are sowers, tithers, faithful to the kingdom. Now let me say, you're qualified for something different when you obey the instruction. You know, David could give. Everybody wants to pray David's prayer from Psalms. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Everybody wants to pray that prayer. Ain't nobody want to give like David gave. You go to the end of his life in 1 Chronicles 29, pulled out of his own treasury and his own account, and then his elders saw him, and they started doing it. And the gold and the silver alone that they gave to build the temple equals today $6 billion. Everybody wants to pray the prayer. Oh, Lord, send that. Oh, get church of god on them. they don't want to sow 
But if you want to go to that level to have the power to ask God for big things, you got to be a sower. And so you'd been believing, you'd been tithing, you'd been giving. And you said, I ain't going into debt again. No more payment. I'm getting it cash in Jesus' name. What's the first thing that happened? So how did it come about? So we uh, essentially um, we got, got word to my company that, you know, we were, you know, we needed a new car. We had transmission troubles with the last car. So um, a sector of my company, they actually reached out to my, my immediate supervisor, who I actually... Um, actually switched from. I even wasn't, wasn't even under this guy. So the guy I'm under now is um, a Christian, and we actually got linked up from our pastor. So, you know, they reached out to him, um, and they basically wanted to kind of find out about myself, um, you know, make sure I was legit, still work for the company, and he gave me a glowing recommendation. Um, and essentially, they sent us uh, $2,000. Um, then I was, my wife and I, we have a cleaning company as well. So I was at a client's house um, who, you know, really likes us, and I was just telling her, like, hey, yeah, you know, we're getting ready to go get a new vehicle. And she was like, really? So she was having work done to her house. Um, so I'm assuming she got, like, checks cut for drafts and things like that. So she was like, I have some extra money. Do you guys want $500, you know, toward the car? And I Who says? Do you want $500 extra? <laughs> Who asked you? Would you like to have $500 extra? I got some just hanging around the house here. <laughs> and then just blessed Yep, just blessed us. And then... So we found out, what was it, Saturday. Right. Yeah. So, yep, so then we got the $500 that way, um, you know, through. So all the money had come in, but you were still, because you'd been confession, I'm, pay, I'm paying the whole thing cash. Right. And after all the money had come in, you were ready to go, but you were still $500 short. Still $500 short. And the so, woman came up with it. Yeah, so the, and the woman uh, blessed us that way. And then I just found out a couple days ago. Um, you know, after basically the way our, our company works, we get two checks. Um, and I thought my second check is always, you know, smaller than the first one we get, like in October. So I just found out that the check that I'm, I'm you know, getting tomorrow is actually like double what I got in October. So altogether, all it's an unexpected about, unexpected about $10,000, you know, just in this month. So Somebody lift your hands with him and thank the Lord for unexpected blessings unexpected harvest unexpected increase it's not just for certain people in the body of Christ it's for every person that obeys the mighty word of God it's for whoever steps in to the covenant that God has set up somebody shout that's my story, that's my story. shout it again that's my story. that's my story and when God pronounces a blessing on you it don't matter who tries to stop it you can't stop what God started you can't curse what God has blessed. You cannot. See, here's the thing. There are people that want to try to do that. There is an antichrist spirit in the world that would try to hold back what God said is supposed to take place. There are those that seek to destroy. There really are. that People think, oh, that's just in the movies. Trust me when I tell you, I've traveled this world and this nation. There are still people trying to work witchcraft against people. There are still people that are actually trying to work spells and curses against people. Not just overseas, right here in the United States of America. I was in Boston getting ready to go on the largest radio network in that whole New England region. And the lady calls me up. And she says, I want you to pray with me. There's a whole covenant of witches up here that don't like that I run 
on this Christian radio station that's the biggest in all of New England and they're trying to put curses on me and trying to put curses on my family. We prayed in the name of Jesus and broke that curse in the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. You can't curse what God has blessed. I'm telling you, I remember Brother Shambach, he had a story where a lady came up to uh, him in, in his tent meeting in Newark, New Jersey. And she said, Brother Shambach, I don't know what to do. She said, I got this lady in my apartment complex that does not like me because I'm Holy Ghost filled Christian. And she said, every time, I'll, she said, I'll go out to get the paper in the morning. And when I go outside, I'll find that this lady has been trying to work magic against me. And there'll be a slaughtered chicken and ashes. And she said, there'll be like uh, all these bones, like bones around it, like she's put them out on the ground. And she said, sometimes the chicken's just there whole with the feathers still on it and everything else. And she said, I don't know, Brother Shamrock, what I'm supposed to do, what should I do? He said, girl, I'll tell you what to do. Next time you see that thing outside your doorstep, when you go out to get your paper, he said, you jump right out there on your mat and start dancing in the Holy Ghost all over that thing. And then take the chicken inside, pluck it, and throw it in the frying pan and cook it up and eat it. Because you can't curse what God's already blessed. You can't stop the mighty blessing of God. Whoa, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm blessed. I'll never be cursed. Say, I'm blessed. I'll never be cursed. In Jesus' name. You cannot be cursed if God has blessed you. I love this. It's even, <laughs> I'll finish with this before I, it's even in people's best interest to bless you. It's not in people's interest to try to curse you. Because you're living under the blessing of Abraham. The Bible says that through Christ, this is Galatians chapter 3, through Christ, the blessing of Abraham has come upon the Gentiles through faith. So what God promised to Abraham has come upon us. And the Bible says he clearly said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you. And I will curse those that curse you. Ooh, that's heavy, man. When God, let me tell you, there's a difference between an unbeliever and an enemy of God. An enemy of God knowingly opposes the things of God. An unbeliever is just somebody that needs the gospel. They're not opposing the things of God. There are those, however, that do try to actively oppose what God is doing. If you've never seen that in the Bible, a perfect picture of that is in Acts 13, where Paul is preaching to the governor, Sergius Paulus. And as he's preaching to him, there's a sorcerer up in his ear saying, don't believe what he's saying. He's lying to you. He's deceiving you. The sorcerer's name was Elemus. And while Paul's preaching to the governor, who's an unbeliever, he's having to deal with the sorcerer who's an enemy of God. So what did he do? He didn't say, well, you know, grace is sufficient, and you know, everybody's choices are their own. No, he stopped his preaching and pointed at the sorcerer and said shut up and from this day you shall be led around by the hand and instantly the curse of God came upon the sorcerer and he was struck struck and stricken blind from that moment and had to be led around by the hand and when the governor saw it he said oh my goodness you've got me persuaded to believe this gospel that you're preaching there's a difference between those that oppose God and those that just need the power of God but what powerful thing is no matter which one stands against you with an antichrist spirit it cannot stop what God's getting ready to do in your life I came to encourage you tonight and to tell you to expect that 2019 
2019 will be the greatest year that you've ever seen in your life. That whatever was hard before is about to become easy in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever was a struggle before, it's getting ready to become easy in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever bills used to go unpaid are going to be paid in advance in the mighty name of Jesus. Whatever credit card debt was hanging over your head for month after month after month, it's getting ready to be erased in the mighty name of Jesus. All those student loans that you thought you'd never get yourself out of, get ready for a call to come on the phone, paid in full, paid in full, paid in full, in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. amen. Woo! Shout it again, amen. amen. Declare I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. I'm blessed. Can't be cursed. Finally, listen, Jesus went to use Peter's boat in Luke chapter 5. Why? He had a crowd pressing in on him. And Jesus was smart enough to say, hey, audio volume carries better on the water. So he stepped into Peter's boat, who had just come back from fishing all night. And he said, push out a little way from the shore. What was he going to do? He was going to use the shore and the water like an amphitheater to teach the people. Peter had every right to say, hey, he wasn't a disciple yet. Hey, what do you think you're doing? It's my boat. Get out. Stepping into my boat. You're trespassing. No, no, I want to go teach on your boat. I'm cleaning my nets. Been fishing all night. He could have told him and had every right to say, get out of my property. You don't see any response from Peter other than obedience. And he went out, pushed out a little way into the water, and Jesus began to preach and teach the people from the shore. Now look at this. The Bible says, getting into one of this, verse 3 of Luke 5, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now here's the exciting part of this story. Peter didn't have to give what was his to God. But he decided to of his own free will. And Jesus will never let you do anything for him without him doing something to say thank you to you. And let me just encourage you with this thought. When God says a divine thank you, you will know you've been thanked. I said you'll know you've been thanked. And here's what happened. Look at verse 4. The Bible says, and when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. And let your nets out for a catch. And Simon answered, Well, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word. See, he was trying to go by the natural realm. But he just got a revelation. I'm with the Master. And so, even though I'm a fisherman by trade, and I know that I've hit all the spots I usually catch fish and got nothing. And you're not even a fisherman, but you're telling me now how to do my job. But because you're the Master... Because you're the master, I'll let down my nets. I love this. He said, put out into the deep and let down your nets. And Simon answered, Master, we told him, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, the Bible says. Or in this translation, their nets began to break. Look at this. And they signaled to their partners... In the other boat. Watch this right here. They signaled 
to their partners. Get over here. Hey, get over here. Get quick. Nets are breaking. Look at this. And the Bible says, and their partners sped over to help them. And they came and filled both the boats. Man, I feel this tonight. So that they both began to sink. Let, let me just give you what the Lord's telling me about this. This stirs my spirit so much. I feel like dancing. Peter was the one who obeyed Jesus. The partners, the friends over in the other boat, they had nothing to do with it. They didn't give Jesus their boat. They weren't on the shore. They were out doing their thing. But they were friends of Peter. He said, hey, get over here and help me. Peter was getting the harvest. Peter's boat was filling up. Peter's boat was starting to sink. But check this out. Just because his friends were close to him in proximity, they started getting blessed too. The overflow came out of his boat and started getting into their boat and just because they were friends I'm telling you get ready I prophesy to you the people that are close to you are getting ready to get wet in the blessing that's coming upon you you are blessed to be a blessing those that you know are going to be touched by the overflow of your blessing and they'll see the goodness of God at work shout aloud amen And he said, both boats began to sink. Think about this. That means Jesus had a plan to give Peter much more than he needed or could handle personally. God's getting ready to put into your hand much more than you need or can handle personally. You hear that? Do you hear that? God's getting ready to put much more in your hand than you need. See, God's not in the needs. Think about it logically. Just by logical thought. If all God did was meet your needs, you wouldn't even have enough money to pay your tithe. Well, my bills are all paid, but he just met my needs, so there's not a penny left over after my responsibilities are fulfilled. You wouldn't have enough to do what the Bible says and bless the poor. You wouldn't have enough to do what the Bible says and give an offering above and beyond your tithe. If all God did was meet your needs, which is not what he's interested in doing, not what he's interested in doing, look through the Old Testament. Look, I'll show you a perfect picture. He brings Egypt out of bondage, the Bible says. And look, that's a picture of salvation because the slavery of Egypt represented the slavery and the sin. And so he's leading them out. But he didn't lead them out without getting something first. He said, go knock on the doors of every neighbor you have in Egypt and just demand of them their gold and silver. Who does that? Boom, 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 boom. Hey, what do you want? Go get all your gold and silver and bring it to me right now. Okay, no problem. And the Bible said they took all the gold and all the silver. Hear what I'm saying? Because this is the picture of redemption. It's three things in one. They got all the gold and all the silver and they carried it. Psalm, the book of Psalms 103 says, and they left Egypt carrying all the gold, all the silver, and there was not a feeble one among them. You know what it means? From young all the way to very old, there was everybody going through the Red Sea carrying all the gold and all the silver. And wasn't nobody going through from Egypt on a walker with yellow tennis balls on the bottom of it trying to get through the red ain't nobody doing that not one feeble one among them they were free from slavery they were free from sickness and disease and weakness and 
they were loaded down with the gold and silver of the Egyptians. God wants to bring you out of bondage. He wants to heal your body and give you more than you can handle. Too much for you. Somebody shout too much. Too much. Too much. We're going to be a blessing. I said we're going to be a blessing. It so blessed me to see on the very first day of this meeting our dear brother who was presented from this church with a car paid off, cash, key put in his hand. You talk about being broken down. Oh my goodness. You know why? You know why we're blessed? To be a blessing to somebody. There's only so many suits you can have in your closet. Only so many shoes you can wear on your feet. Do you know God got into me one time? I was sitting in a, in a meeting with Rodney Howard Brown. And I, you know, I really like, if I start liking something, it's, it's dangerous because I have like an addictive personality. I like, I like it all. I get it all. And somebody started getting me into the sneaker game. And I started looking at all the Air Jordan sneakers. Man, I started liking them. I was like, sneakers? Woo! And it was a short period of time. And I had like 14 pairs of retro Jordans sitting in my closet. And I liked all of them. They're all sitting up there in boxes. But I liked them. They were nice. Very nice. And I'm sitting there. And you, are, you know how the Lord likes to get you? I'm sitting there. And it has nothing to do with Jordans. I'm listening to Dr. Rodney preach. And I'm on the front row. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I hear the Lord say in my spirit, you don't think the Lord will speak to you this real? He will. He says to me, what are you doing with all those Jordans in your closet? I said, oh, yes, hallelujah. That's the overflow. <laughs> then he said this to me from his word. He said, what are you going to do? tear down your other barns and build bigger barns gut punch what are you going to do tear down your other barns and build bigger barns to just lay up stuff and lay up stuff and lay up stuff is that what you're going to do he said when you get home this Wednesday night you call the minister at your church and have him ha bring every young man that wears a size 12 sneaker into the office and you hand those things out one by one tell them take whatever pair you like it's on me. He said, give all of them away. I brought those things into the church, laid them out. People were freaking out. You had people coming in. They're like, why are you doing this? I had a guy ask me in the parking lot. He was like, thank you, but let me ask you, why are you doing this? Why are you? you know, people must have thought, you know, I was in New York and something fell off the back of a truck. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> Brother Ted found Jordans. <laughs> and he said, give them. What are you going to do? There's only so many shoes you can have in your closet. Only so many cars you can put in your driveway. Only so many rooms you can sit in in your house and look at the fireplace and look at the ceiling. Only so much you can do on yourself. The real thing that God's putting into you, yes, to overflow. Yes, to get into the covenant of wealth. Yes, to have more than enough. But let me tell you, he will do what he said Abraham will do and empower you to be a blessing. And when you are, let me tell you what happens. It opens the door to somebody's heart like it never could before. I can't tell you the amount of times that my wife has gone up without the person knowing in a restaurant and paid for their meal that we didn't even know who they were and then they're outside crying and she went up and gave them Jesus and they said no one ever in my life 
has ever done anything like that for me. Nobody has ever blessed me. Nobody has ever thought about me like that. I'm looking at my brother that owns the restaurant across town in Oakboro and just has a heart, a generous heart to give. Had everybody in the place, man. We had 20 some, 30 some people in the place and the man picked up the check. Let me tell you something. When a generous spirit comes over you, you are blessed to be a blessing. And when you're blessed to be a blessing, God can use you to lift somebody out of problems and take them into their next level. I'm not blessed to hoard it up. I'm blessed to give like never before. Whoa, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I'm blessed to be a giver. I am blessed to be a giver. I want you to take an envelope in your hand because we're going to pray. We pray. You know why we pray in this church? We pray because the Holy Spirit has an instruction for us. I don't ever. Let me just say something to you before you do one thing. Listen to me. I never, and you should never, do something flippantly for God. What do I mean by that? Don't just, listen, if you're just going to tip God, don't give anything. Don't give anything. And here's why I say it. Because the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So understand, anything we do for God has to take faith to do or it's displeasing. Did you know that we can study the Bible and know God's not required to accept every offering? Did you know that? Go to Genesis. Bible says he loved and accepted Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering. I bet Cain's looked even better than Abel's. I bet he spread those vegetables and fruits out and grains, and I'm sure it was a big spread. God said, I didn't ask for that, so I'm not taking it. But when we ask the Holy Ghost, he can speak an instruction to our heart. And when he does, he'll always tell you to do something that takes faith to accomplish. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray you speak to every man. Speak to every woman tonight. Give us an instruction that we've never had before. Lord, something that will take us into the next level. And as we do, I thank you, Jesus, that your increase is coming upon our lives in 2019 like we've never experienced. We're blessed, Lord, to be a blessing. We will never be the same after tonight. Lord, turn things around for us. If there's people that are in debt, people that are having issues financially, let this be the last night. Let this be the last night. Let this be the last night. Quickly turn their situation around. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for that and give you praise. We hear your instruction and we obey it tonight. We declare we're going to another level. If you believe it, somebody shout aloud, amen. Amen. If you're making out your offerings by check, please make them payable to the church. Boomerang Church, you can give by check to that. If you'd like to do a debit card or credit card, there's a link right on the screen that you can easily do on the website. Very simple, will guide you right through the process. If you'd like to give lands, properties, gold bars, silver, platinum, if you'd like to give stocks, bonds, that's, you're welcome. Cryptocurrencies, whatever you'd like to do, we receive it in Jesus' name. We say thank you. I told him the other night, the only thing we don't accept is disobedient children, because that's not an offering. Hallelujah.
somebody a high five and have a seat glory to God tell them welcome welcome to kickstart yeah you know this um, this week it's just been ramping up 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 and you it, we got tomorrow night Brother Ted's going to be laying it out tomorrow night. Amen. I mean, goodness. He is, God is so good. He's so awesome. We just uh, praise God for everything he's doing. The testimonies that uh, we've been seeing all week, and it's just going to get better and better. We just praise God for it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to tell you something. I know you've been driving up. You've been here each night and, um, I just felt like the Lord said, said to you, that heart and that hunger to go after God, you know, I, I always look for it and I always am looking for people like that because it's one of the things that I did for a long time and I still do today. But I can tell you probably Brother Ted would say the same thing. You don't see that in everybody. You don't see that. But God sees that and he honors you. And I just declare, will you just stand up? I just declare in Jesus' name. Lord, let your blessings of honor pour out on him. Let your blessings of honor, let them overflow. Just like Ted said, Lord, let that thankfulness be something that cannot be denied. The thank thankfulness of God, when he gives thanks back, when he starts to pour back, it's like God saying, thank you. Lord, let him be blessed in every way. Father, let things come into his hands. Let that hunger produce the anointing of God in his life. Let it be so tangible and so real that when he ministers or speaks to somebody, Lord, let the power of God and his anointing almost wipe them out from the power of his words. Let the anointing of Christ come on him in every way. Let it be different from this week forward. Let it be different, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 
Well, you are in for a treat this evening. The power of God's going to be moving. And I just want you to uh, go ahead and turn to Luke. And uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Something, something the other, a few weeks ago, actually, I had something come up in my spirit. I, th- I believe I heard a minister talking about this. And he just started to say, you know, used to, he said, I believe there's something that's been lost in our society. I believe that what we have lost is the revelation that Jesus is coming soon. That we've lost that. And I got to thinking about that and it just started weighing on my heart. I remember when I was young and in church, they talked about Jesus coming soon all the time. It was constant. I remember as a kid going to bed at night wondering if I would wake up the next morning because Jesus had come back. I remember constantly thinking, man, we might not even see the the sun rise again because Jesus will come in the cloud and there'll be a, just a shout across the earth. The trumpet will blow and we will rise to meet him in the air. I remember as a kid thinking this. Jesus is coming soon. Uh, Brother Ted's been saying it all week long. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon. But then I got to thinking about it. How many messages have you heard on that in the last few years? Not many. Very rarely do you find messages about the the soon coming of our king. Very rarely do you see that. And I just started meditating on it. And the Lord started actually a, a week or two ago. He said, I want you to minister on that at Kickstart. I want you to minister on that. And not, not go into a ton of depth in it. But just minister on the soon uh, return of our King Jesus. And so I, I said, amen. He said, but don't listen. I think you're here on purpose tonight. He said, don't minister on it on Monday or Tuesday or Sunday or Tuesday. He said, minister on it on Thursday night towards the end of the week. When, when people have been sitting under the word and the word has tenderized their heart so that they're ready to receive the seed that God wants to plant in them and bring them about to an eternal fruit. So let's turn and look at this. Luke 21, 36. Luke 21, 36. A couple of verses. There's something that you see when it talks about the soon coming king, the return of Christ. Luke 21, 36. Let's just look at this. It says this, but keep alert at all times. How many times? All times. All times. Keep alert. Now you notice this is a command. This is a command uh, by the Holy Ghost uh, through Jesus. But keep alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things. He's been talking about the tribulation. And he says, praying that you may have strength to escape these things that are about to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Stand before the Son of Man. So we have Jesus telling us. Now, would you agree that if Jesus, or we find it as a command in the Bible, we know that the Holy Spirit inspired it to be spoken. And he says, you need to keep alert. Is that something we should pay attention to? 
We should be sober. We should not get disillusioned. We should not be uh, drunk with the world's thinking. We should be of a sober mind, keeping alert at the coming of Jesus. And he's saying, look, here come these tribulation times in the end of times. He says, keep alert. How many of us truly have been keeping alert to the return of Christ? In the society, I truly believe it's been lost. It's one of the things that it's not been on the forefront of our mind. I don't, I don't remember a time. And, and I'm sitting there as soon as I heard it, I went, Lord, I repent. I've not been meditating on it enough myself. I repent, Lord. I, I need to keep alert. And, and listen to what he says. He says, but keep on the alert at all times. At all times. In other words, don't let a day slip by or an hour slip by where you don't keep it in your heart. Jesus is coming soon. And this time, it's short. It's shorter than it ever has been. And he could come back tonight. He could come back before we finish this meeting. He could come back before I finish this message. It can be any minute. Brother Ted said the other day, there's not one prophecy waiting to be fulfilled for him to come back. There's not one thing left. It's time. I, I recently, within the last uh, year or so, I heard a uh, um, scholar of the Greek language breaking down the verses that talked about the last of the last days. And he got to talking about the last of the last days. And it, it shows us in the word that in the last of the last days, this will happen and that will happen and this will happen and that will happen. And he started breaking down what each one of those events looked like. And I went, I went, okay, that one, that's happening right now. Check. The next one, that's happening right now. Check. The next event, that's happening right now. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of their flesh. Check. That's happening. And he showed by, with detail what that looked like. And I, I said, that's happening right now. Check, 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 check. Check. He went through the whole list and I, I came to the end of that message and I thought, my Lord, my God, we are in not the last days. We are in the last of the last days. The last of the last days. Man, I just heard a bump outside. I'm like, glory to God, you know. <laughs> it's, we're in the last of the last days. Are, are you ready? Are you acting like it? Are you living like it? Come on. It's challenging me already. Is it challenging you already? And it should. It should. I, I came to the end of that message. I went, my goodness. It's time to live like we are Christ and he is ours. It's not time to play games. 
Matter of fact, I, I believe that the ministers in here uh, that are paying attention to the Holy Ghost could attest to this. Right now, there is a filtering. There's a separation going on between the ones who are paying attention to the Holy Ghost and going after God and the ones who are playing games. Right now, in, in all over the world, it's not just happening in America, it's happening all over the world. God is saying, who is taking this thing seriously? What you are, listen to me, what you are seeing right now happen before your eyes is the separation of the, of the widows, or, or excuse me, of the virgins with the oil. You're seeing the separation right now. Who's ready? Who's ready? Who's ready to go when Christ returns? Who's ready for the marriage of the bride and the bridegroom? Who's ready for that? We are in the last of the last days. The Holy Ghost is quickening people to get on with their uh, Christian business. To get on with what Christ has called them to. It is time to stop playing games and get serious about who we are, what we're called to, winning souls, making disciples. It is time for us to get serious about our life that we call Christian. And if we need to crucify the flesh, if ever there was a time to do it daily, today is the day. We're in the last of the last days. And you have, listen to this, 2,000 years ago, you have Jesus by the Holy Ghost saying this, keep on the alert at all times. Man, if they were supposed to keep on the alert 2,000 years ago, my goodness, we are within a breath of it today. We're in a breath of it. Things are happening so fast. I can remember thinking as a young adult, thinking I would never see the day where they would, would, where they would make abortions legal all the way up to delivery. And within days of that, they push beyond that and say they can be born and you can still abort them. Within days, that's what just happened in the state of Virginia. They tried to press it. Praise God, you had some people voting Christian on a Christian platform. Right. Praise God. And, and I remember thinking, you know, never would it come to the place, you know, where all of a sudden all of these sins that God lists out. And he says, look, they, they are horrible to me. These sins, they're, they're just horrible to me. God's saying they're horrible to me. And yet the world has just adopted them. I remember thinking as a young adult, that'll happen probably in my lifetime, but it'll be 40, 50, 60 years from now. And, and we went about 10 years and all of a sudden there was a switch in our society and we just went, whoo, boom. And listen, it's exactly as the Bible's saying it, the darkness and deep darkness will cover the people. But let me tell you something. That's the moment when the glory of God is designed to rise on you. And it's time. I, I, I made a, a image a while back and I said, it's time to use that darkness as a beautiful backdrop, a beautiful contrast to the glory of God that's in you, to the glory that's in you. It's not time to get discouraged about the darkness. It's not time to back away from it. It's time to step into the glory that God has designed for you and let it shine like never before. It's time to listen to the quickening of the Holy 
Ghost and move to the places where this thing is real so that while that darkness provides a background, the glory that's in you, it makes a beautiful portrait of the image of God through you. It's time. It's time to be on the alert. It's the last of the last days. We have a king who's coming soon. It can be any moment. We have what the Bible says is a blessed hope. A hope that we're not going to stay here. That when he comes back, we're going to meet him in the air. We got a hope. It's a hope that's meant to, to drive you. To be alive in you. That hope is meant to empower you. That hope is meant for you to preach. To proclaim. To let people know it's the last of the last days and God loves you with an everlasting love. It's time for it to drive you to the power and the glory that he has given to you as a child, as a son. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew 24. Keep on the alert. Tell your neighbor, stay awake. Be alert. Matthew 24, 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Can you imagine that moment? Imagine the quickening you feel right at that moment. The sign of the Son of Man appears in the sky. Let me ask you something. When that sign appears... What are you going to wish you would have done? Because it's going to get real, real, real fast. At that moment, the moment you see it, it's too late to make up your mind at that moment. That's the wrong time. Be alert. Be sober. At all times. There's a sign of the Son of Man going to appear in the clouds, and it's coming quickly. It is right on us. It can happen any day. We might not even have a meeting tomorrow night because he might come back before we get here tomorrow night. There'll be the sign. And it'll be too late to make a decision then what we should be doing. It is coming soon and it is upon us. It is on us now. And it's time for us to be sober, to be alert, and to be living this thing like never before. I'm telling you, it is time. He says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other skip down to verse uh, 36 it says but of that day and hour no one knows not even the angels of heaven nor the son but the father alone for the coming of the son of man will be just like the days of Noah for as in that day before the the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away 
so will the, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. You see, they're just going to be going through life. They're going to be doing stuff just like normal, just like it always is. And then all of a sudden, boom! And it's done. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one will be left. I remember, go back, look, see that verse there where it says they will, they will be eating and drinking and marrying, given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I remember seeing a commercial, I think it was around the Super Bowl time a year or two ago, and it showed people all traveling to a place to have one big party. This is actually something that happened. It was a company that sponsored it, like an alcohol company that sponsored it. They all traveled to the this one place and like we came to hear the word of the Lord and to grow and to go after him and to receive a word to kickstart our year they were going drinking and partying and marrying this would just happen in the last year or two and they traveled out to this one place for a whole week to do nothing but just give themselves to their flesh just give themselves to that their flesh and the in anything that their flesh wanted and I saw that commercial and I almost started to cry because I'm like oh my goodness that's this verse that stuff is happening right now it's happening right now let me tell you something you're sitting in here on a Thursday night odds are you at least got a heart for God odds are by the end of tonight at the very least you will be traveling with Christ in the air you'll be meeting him in the air by the end of tonight we'll know that that's the case but let me tell you something you're by that standard you're going to be okay but listen there's a people out there that they don't know. They don't know. And our job is to be alert so that we will be the flame of fire against the darkness of the night. To be that flame of God's glory. So that when they see us, they'll say, I know I need to change something. I know I need something. Like what I was telling you, when you speak, they'll say, I know there's something real there. There's something that I need. It's why God uses prosperity. He wants it to be on us. He wants it to be on us. We were having a conversation just last night with the pastors and they were saying, uh, we've got, uh, you were telling, you were telling about Fred Price, Dr. Fred Price and how somebody got on to him about having a nice car. He said, all these kids in the neighborhood, all they have to look at for success, according to their eyes, are the drug dealers and the people that are stealing, right? He said, I want to show them that we have a good God and we can walk in the prosperity of a good and loving God. And I want to show them. Them, there's a different way and it doesn't carry with it the wages of sin it doesn't carry with it death That's right. I want to show them that it's out there you know preachers putting on religion telling people that that God is not a prosperous God have you read your Bible I just read it last week a preacher saying the prosperity gospel was no gospel at all my Lord have you read the word God is a prosperous God. You are blessed with faithful Abraham. His sons were blessed. You're blessed. He says, beloved, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We've got to understand that God wants to pour out of his goodness, get his goodness into our lives, but it's not because how many people has it just happened to? 
You're born again. You know Jesus. Did it just happen to you? No, there's something that we have to decide. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a choice and I'm going to receive what God has for me. This is a part of us being alert. We've got to understand. You remember in the parable of the, of the virgins, what did they miss? What weren't they ready with? What didn't they carry? The oil, the anointing, the power, the reality, the glory. They didn't carry. They were in word or deed but they had nothing to go along with it to produce a flame of fire had no fire had no oil had no anointing to break the yokes big doctrines right now you you shouldn't be prosperous if you're a Christian you should you shouldn't be operating in the Holy Ghost that stuff has ceased anti-Christ doctrine anti-Christ doctrine Christ is the anointed one in his anointing it is anti-anointing It is not correct. This is what it's talking about also when it says, be alert. Be sober. Be alert. He's telling you, don't sit back and carry nothing. Don't sit back in the last of the last days and carry nothing. You are designed to be a carrier of the things of God. And the carrier of the things of God is no minimal office. A carrier of the things of God is designed for every believer. And a carrier of the things of God is carrying the things of God. The weight of God. The glory of God. This is how he says you'll do these things and greater. We're not talking about just pastors and apostles and prophets carrying it. We're talking about believers. And when he says be alert, he's talking about you better be ready. You better be carrying something because the day is at hand. And the day is at hand not just for you to make it but to take some people with you. And you're not going to take them with you if you're not carrying something. If you're not a carrier of the oil. If you're not prepared. Verse 42, therefore be on the alert. For you don't know. You don't know. We know it's soon. We know it can be any moment. But you don't know which day your Lord is coming. You go into, Jesus doesn't stop talking. You go into chapter 25. He goes right here and he says, here's the parable of the ten virgins. What's he talking about? Be ready. Carry the oil. Carry the presence. Don't put it off. See, you've got people that even knew that they should be carrying it, but they waited till the last minute and they played games in church. They didn't go after God. They didn't open up themselves, make a place and make room for God. And all of a sudden in this moment, here they are. Here they are. And and all of a sudden the day comes and they're not ready. They're not carrying the oil. I'm not talking to preachers. I'm talking to believers. They're not ready. He says, be sober, be alert, be ready, carry something. You go down here, it says the very next, Jesus doesn't stop talking. The next set of verses, the parable of the talents. I've given you something. Listen, to whom much is given, much is required. How much have you been given? Then how much is required? You've been given Jesus. How much is required? 
How much stuff do you have at your hands like these talents? How much do you have in your hands? I want to tell you right now, there's an anointing flowing in this place and it's starting to convict even at this moment. I sense it. I see it. It's starting to convict. This is not the time to run from that anointing. There's an anointing to break every yoke and set the captive free. It's not the time to run from it. It's the time to say, Lord, this is your word. This is your truth. You love me. And Lord, I'm going to receive that love tonight. It's not the time to run from it. Listen, the word says in Hebrews 12, 11, that every discipline of the Lord, it, it feels to your flesh sorrowful and even not joyful. But if you'll give yourself to that discipline of the, of the Lord, if you'll give yourself, it will yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It will yield that peaceful fruit of righteousness. See, there's a conviction on this message to move us to a new place. There's a conviction there to move us. So it's not the time to say, oh, I just don't like that preaching. It's the time to say, Lord, I, I might not like this in, in my flesh, but I'm telling you right now, Lord, I trust you. Lord, let your word convict me. Let it draw me up to new levels. Lord, let it put me in the place where I can live a sober life, an alert life, doing what I've been called to do. Lord, let me live live in that place. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Who is this king that's coming? Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. Who's this king? Brother Ted's talked about it all week. Let's just see. Revelation 1 and verse 10. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. And verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Those lampstands are the churches. He says, and in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the son of man. Let me just tell you, Jesus goes to church. And he's watching the churches. Yep. That's right. He says, I've seen you. Not it's been reported to me. I've seen you. Yeah. He goes to church. He's watching. How do we participate? What do we do? Yeah. We need to be alert. It's time for us to recognize that Jesus is here. Let's look at what he looks like. He says, I saw the son of man clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. We're talking about a king. We're talking about the son of man. We're talking about the son of God, and he's got a fire inside of him, and you can see it through his eyes. We're not talking about a weakling. We're not talking about somebody who just gets beat up and pushed to the side. We're talking about somebody with the burning, all-consuming fire of God on the inside of him, a holiness. We're talking about somebody, not only that, but he loves you. Yeah. He loves you. Oh, he loves you, but he is not weak. He's not weak. His feet were like burnished bronze where it's been made to glow in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his hand, he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. 
You ever gone out into the day, like even in the middle of the summer, and it's so bright, maybe you were inside, and it's so bright you can't even hardly see. I mean, you've got to almost close your eyes completely to see anything. It's so bright. This is like him. This is like him. So bright, so much glory. And then John relays it like this. John says this. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. His glory so immense, his love so powerful, his strength so strong. John just falls down. What else are you going to do around that? What else are you going to do around a glorious king? This is the king that's coming soon. And let me ask you something. When, when that day comes and when you see him, how are you going to react? How are you going to be? Is he going to find you prepared? Is he going to fi- or is he going to find you scrambling? How are you going to, this guy, John, who hung around him, who hung around the Lord, who knew him, but when he sees him again, he falls at his feet. How are you going to be? Is he going to find you scrambling to try and get stuff right? Or is he going to find you ready about his business, about his work, alert, carrying something? Let's go to Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. You'll notice that everywhere where it talks about the coming of Jesus, everywhere where it talks about the coming of Jesus, it has us getting ready, walking in the power of God, walking without excuse, but diligent. Faithful, He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's a rewarder, y'all. He's a rewarder. Let me ask you something. When you get to heaven and you stand in front of him, let me tell you more than anything. When you stand in front of him, you're going to want to hear these words that it said in the parable of the talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. What you're not going to want to hear at that moment is... Depart from me, you wicked servant, or I never knew you. And it all has to do with what we do right now. How do we walk? How do we live? Listen to this. How do we prepare? What are we carrying? It has to do with what we're carrying. In order to live like Christ wants us to live, the word tells us in Ephesians 4, it's for us to be raised up to the fullness of the stature of Christ, to be like him, to be living like him, moving like him, empowered like him, living in holiness like him, carrying the glory and the anointing like him, to be like him. Here it is in in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness. Grace instructs us and empowers us to deny ungodliness, not to give in to it, but to deny it. 
That's the power of his grace, not greasy grace, but a grace that empowers us and instructs. See, grace at its core will tell you, you can't do that stuff. Not you can. That's what grace will do. It says every time it talks about the coming, it's talking about getting ready. Be prepared. Well, if we're getting ready, what does that look like? It looks like Jesus. It looks like we start to act and walk and talk like him. We start to perform like he performed. We start to do what he does. Amen. He says, look. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. In other words, as we look for him to come, we put on the grace and the holiness of God. We put on his glory. We walk in his power. We walk in those things. And all of a sudden, in that moment, as we walk in those things, we start to see the power of God. We start to see that power of God come out. What kind of power are we talking about? You look at this. Let's go over and let's look now at 1 John 5, 4. First John 5, 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is that victory. This is the victory that's overcome the world, even our faith. Our faith will drive us to the place where we start to overcome the lack that this world has thrown at us. It'll start to overcome the lack in your neighbor. Has anybody ever prayed for somebody and it just didn't work? But yet, see, when we start to prepare ourselves and we start to become alert, the power of God starts to go to work and our faith starts to overcome that lack. There's no lack in God's world that needs to be overcome. It's the lack of a corrupted world. And as we put on the glory and his inheritance, all of a sudden we'll step into that place. When we're preparing ourselves, what he's wanting us to do is to put on our inheritance. He says over in Ephesians 1, right now, he says over in Ephesians 1 that he wants you to put on your inheritance that he's called you to. He writes this letter and says, I've got an inheritance for you. And then he says, let me tell you about that, inher and that inheritance. It is the surpassing greatness of his power. What kind of power is he looking at? Look at that in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 16, we do not cease giving thanks for, for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul says, I pray. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness 
of his power. In other words, Paul's saying, I hope that you start to wake up. What? That you become alert. That you come to the place where you become alert of what God has for you, what he's placed in you, and where he's taken you. Because if you become alert in these things, all of a sudden your whole life is going to change. Imagine that we turned out all the lights in here and everybody had a torch. Imagine that it's dark in here. Imagine there's no light anywhere and all of a sudden, all at one time, all at one time, we all took out a lighter and lit a torch. And out of each one of you, there was a three-foot flame of fire. Do you know how striking that would be? How powerful that would be? That's what I'm talking about. That the power and the glory of God would start to just come alive inside of each and every one of us. So that all of a sudden, the world says, what is going on in North Carolina? Something's happened. Something's happened up in the up in the uh, space shuttle. They'd be looking down in the night and going, what is that light? What is that thing? People from all over the world. And it comes simply because we gave ourselves to be alert at the time when God's told us to. At the time where he's commanded us to. And the power and the glory of God. Paul says, I pray that you would start to see what's actually on the inside of you. That you would start to see what you have inside of you. The inheritance, not that you're waiting on, but the inheritance that you carry right now. There's an inheritance that you're carrying right at this moment. It's inside of you if you know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, you can carry it tonight. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, you're my Lord. I believe that you died for me. I believe that God brought you back to life. And when he raised you up, he raised me with you and all of a sudden he didn't leave me in that death grave no he took me up he seated me with you in heavenly places and I'm in him and he's in me and I'm carrying something every believer every believer is carrying something the issue's been that the devil's talked us out of what we've been carrying he tries to hide it. He tries to keep it at bay because he knows that if it'll come up and it'll start to shine, if they'll wake up to the time that it is, if they'll wake up to the alertness of the last of the last days and they'll start to allow the glory of God to shine through them, all of a sudden the power of God will start to work and start to move and the world will take notice. It's... It's not just a good idea for us to start putting on this inheritance. It's a command from God. Paul's saying, I just hope that you get revelation of it. That you actually see what you already have as believers. That you actually see these things. He says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is, listen to these words, what is the surpassing greatness of his power? Not just greatness, surpassing greatness of your power, of his power. His power that is your inheritance. Yeah. Say it's my inheritance. It's my inheritance. I, have it. I have it. 
It's mine. And it's not just great. It's surpassing greatness of His power. It's in me. It's in me now. What kind of power? Who's it toward? Towards us who believe. What kind of power are we talking about? This, not just power, but the surpassing greatness of his power. What kind of power are we talking about? That you carry. You carry. Say me. me. I'm carrying something. What kind of power? He goes on to define it. He says, let me tell you what kind of power this is. Let me tell you what kind of power this is. The other day, I saw a picture of a rocket leaving the atmosphere. And right at the, whoever got the picture of it got it right when it broke the sound barrier. And that cloud was sitting there and it was like, boom. Do you know what kind of force it takes to lift that however heavy that thing is? Man, there's some force at the bottom of those engines. And they get to rumbling. I remember one time, I remember in, uh, when I was in the Marines... Uh, I remember I turned 19 on the day that we threw grenades. I was like, dear God, please do not let my birth date and death date be the same day. I, uh, please do not let that. Because here's what happened. We were marching up and uh, I heard these boom, 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 right? Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden uh, I saw where the booms were coming from. And it was way, way over there. It was 20 football fields away. Over 2,000 yards. And I went, and here's the thing. I was hearing them, but at 2,000 yards, I was feeling it in the ground. I was feeling the power. And we're walking up. That thing's 2,000 yards away. 20 football fields away. Boom. And I'm feeling it in my feet. Boom. I'm feeling it in my feet. You know, and they just show it, you know, on the TV show. They're like, oh, yeah, let's just open the little hatch and throw it down there. We'll just stand here while it blows up. Uh -uh. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. What kind of power are we talking about? Now, I want you to see some. This, this little thing is like the size of an apple. Shaking the ground 20 football fields away. 20 football fields away. And the power of that thing, the size of an apple. You know, we can act all big and bad like, you know, USMC and, you know, Uncle Sam's misguided children. You know, we're, we're Marines, you know. And, uh, oh, yeah. No, I'm going to tell you. They took me out there. And, and this is the funny thing. It's like this. Like, here's where they're throwing uh, grenades at. They, they, they had this beautiful thing set up where it was like this wooden building that had these glass panes in the top and it had multiple glasses. And all of a sudden, they march you up. You go up these stairs and when you get on top, right here are panes of glass where you can see the grenade field. So you felt the shake for 2,000 yards all the way marching up. But now when you get here within 100 yards of it, here's the grenade field and you're looking out these windows. And I tell you, every single one of us were supposed to have eyes front, right? Uh, that wasn't happening. We were like staring outside this glass. And here they are throwing this thing. And it goes boom. And you can just feel that thing. I mean the percussion of it was amazing. And we're behind this wood and several layers of stuff. And we're watching. 
And I was like, man, and at the bottom of these steps, they hand you your grenade. I was like, good gosh, help me, Jesus. Like, that's the last thing you want to do, you know. I was like, oh, I am not letting this thing go. I don't care if the pen's been pulled or not. That thing is not leaving my hand till I want it to. They I get up there and they're like, you know, you do this, you do this, and then you get down. I was like, I'll get down. Don't you worry about that. I will get down. You know, and a lot of people, they're like, get that thing as far away, but you shouldn't do that. You should just, you should just basically take it and throw it a little bit. Not don't try to, you know, throw for home plate and get the guy out. Don't do that. That takes you get to doing that, you might drop the thing. That would be bad. And so he just says, he just says, let it go. They got a guy, and then, you know, they always tell you a story. It was just the other week where there was a drill instructor, and some student dropped it, and they died. Thanks. Great. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. I didn't want that. I was 19. It was awesome. I was like, no. You tell me what to do. I'm going to listen to everything you tell me. You have my attention because I have in my hands something that is powerful. Powerful. So we thumb clip, pull pin, get back. Like right now, if I let go of this thing, it's going to blow up. Throw it, get down is a motion like this. I still remember it today. You don't forget stuff. I did it once. And uh, you don't forget stuff like that. That was like 26, 27 years ago. Anyway, so here we are. We throw it and I, I survived. Yeah, I know you were wondering if I did, but I, I made it through. And they were like, okay, now get off this range. I was like, with pleasure. You let me, you know, like, and then, you know, you watch like some Vietnam movie or something like that. They're like, oh, here's a grenade, you know. Mm, no, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But I want you to see something. That kind of power in a grenade the size of an apple. That's not the kind of power we're talking about. We're talking about the surpassing greatness of the power of God. Who do you think gave men the wisdom to come up with that kind of power? Who do you think gave men the wisdom to come up with the kind of power that would lift a rocket off of the earth and shoot it into space? Going like 21,000 miles an hour or some crazy thing like that. Who do you think gave the wisdom? I mean, if he's got the wisdom to do that, who do you think gave men the wisdom to give them a nuclear power? Have you ever seen video of that? Have you seen the destructive power? Who do you think gave men the wisdom to piece together what they had in their hands just on this one planet? Listen, God has a power, but it's not a destructive power except to your enemies. It is to destroy the works of the enemy. God had a power. God has a power. And he still has that power. And you have the power, the surpassing greatness of his power that can create a galaxy, that can create a universe. Let me tell you, he defines it like this, that can create life back in a man and raise him up resurrection power you go on and you start to read it it says and this is what that surpassing greatness of his power this is what we have to us who believe he said these are in accordance with the working of his strength 
the strength of His might. How much power do you have inside of you? Say, I'm carrying something. I'm carrying a power. I'm carrying a power. Say it, you believe it? I'm carrying a power. I'm carrying something. I'm carrying the power of God. He said, here's how big that power is. It's the power of his might, verse 20, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. In other words, the power that he released in Christ, it, it beat every power that ever was and that ever will be. It wasn't just the power in an apple-shaped grenade. This was a power to be all powers. It was a power that said, even though this man is dead, he's sitting there laying in the grave. His body's in the grave. There's nothing left. There's nothing kicking off inside of that. There's nothing happening in that body. No synapses are firing in his brain. And yet he says, let me show you what kind of power I have. And in Jesus, all of a sudden, the power of God starts to go to work. Those synapses start to fire again. And what was dead with no life in it comes back to life. And when he raises him up, he didn't just raise up Jesus. He raised up everyone who would ever be dead. Everyone who would ever be held by sin. Everyone that would ever be held by the grave. And when he came up out of that, that power, boom, into the earth. They didn't just fill it 2,000 yards away. It shot across the universe. The demons trembled at that power. It made a show of them openly. He defeated them once for all time. This age, that age, every age that would become, that power went across the universe and it didn't stop and it's not stopping today. That power, it's in you. What in me? In you? Yeah. That's exactly what he's saying. You've got that power. That's why when you walk up to somebody and you say, hey, you start to realize I'm carrying something. Hey, how you doing? And you know I'm carrying a, a, a realm of glory with me. Like we were talking about with Brother Jim. And all of a sudden you just start saying, look, let's see what that power can do. Let's see what that power can do. And all of a sudden, you walk up to somebody and you're carrying that glory and you're just, hey, how you doing? And then they think you're shaking hands, but we're releasing the power of God. We're releasing the glory of God. All of a sudden, they're like, I don't know what happened. I was sick and it just, I'm not sick anymore. That's right, because you were carrying the power and you discharged that power on purpose with an aim according to the will of God. A resurrection power. You understand that that resurrection power, it is the end all of every curse, every sickness, every disease, every bit of lack. That resurrection power. It solved it all. And if we're going to be alert to the times, what he's saying in it is also this. Be who you are created to be. Release the power that's already within you. Do what you need to do to learn how to discharge it. 
Do what you need to do to walk in the anointing. Do what you need to do. Uh, Grab a hold of the empowering grace of God to put down ungodliness, to hate unrighteousness and sin so that you might be anointed with the oil of joy, with the oil of gladness, that you would carry an anointing that breaks every yoke. So that not only in your life and not only in your family, but every person that you come across, you've got something, a resurrection power inside of you. A resurrection power felt across the universe. Not because you did something great, but because he did something yeah. great. Not, not empowered by all of your good works, but empowered by Jesus' good works. That you have, when we're alert in the last of the last days, and we know that that king is coming soon, and we're seeking ourselves and saying, are we ready? It's not just, are we ready to go home to heaven? It's, are you ready to be the light, to shine his glory? Are you carrying the anointing oil of God, the fuel of the fire of God? Are you carrying that anointing? Are you walking in that power? Are you carrying something that you can discharge as a child of God? what the world needs more than anything else. They need an oil and a fire and a resurrection power in the believers. What would happen if the whole room was dark and every single one of us lit up with the power of God? Would you want that in your church? Man, I'm craving for it. I don't want it just to be me. I want it to be all of us. Every one of us, everybody that's watching, I want us to carry the anointing of God and the power of God. I want us to be ready. I want us to be carrying something. The resurrection power of God. Not a little old bitty grenade that makes the ground shake. I want something that shakes the universe. I want something that shakes the very gates of hell. I want something that, that the angels sit back and look and go, my goodness, look at him look like Jesus look at her put on a resurrection power look at her realize who they are in Christ they know what's inside of them they might not can see it they might not can feel it but they've done gone in here and gotten revelation of what's on the inside of them and they start to walk in something do you long to walk as Jesus walked do you hunger for those things It's time to be ready. It's time to be alert. It's time to be sober. It's time to release the inherited power that's legally already yours because Jesus was raised to the right hand of the Father. He sits at the place of all power and authority and you are in him, in the center of that power. And he is in you. Just play some music. If you want that power, that resurrection power, you've got it. Maybe you've not been born again and you say, look, I need that power. I need something real inside of me. And if that's you, I want you to come up tonight. I want you to say, Lord, I need you. I need to get ready. I realize I'm not ready. I'm not ready. If that, if that trumpet sounded, if the sun, uh, if the sun's sign happened in the sky, if the son of man's sign happened, I'm not ready. 
If that's you, you can be ready tonight. You don't have to go out of here. I'm, I'm getting it more and more these days. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were having a service and I felt it strongly. Look, you are not promised to even walk out of this building today. Not because Jesus comes back, but simply because you don't know if your body will live beyond this time. Something could happen to you. So all of a sudden, you don't know that. This is why God says, be ready. And if you don't know that you're ready, I want you to just stand up right now and say, I've, I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. I gotta be ready. If you're sitting there and you're going, I need the resurrection power of God. I need it operate. I don't need some little power inside of me. I need to release the anointed power of God. I need to be lit up with His fire. Lit up with His oil. I need need his fuel in my body if that's you just stand up right now where you are if I need the resurrection power of God I want to walk in that power I don't want to talk about it I want to walk up stand up now if that's you Lord I want to walk in those things I want to be who you've called me to be I want to be alert and be ready I don't want to be sitting there and he comes back and I'm not ready. It's time to be bold. Father, I just ask for boldness to fall on your people right now. For boldness to fall. Just close your eyes, everybody. Pray in the Holy Ghost. The Lord is calling every believer. Every believer. The Lord is calling every believer to be ready, to be full of the power of God, to be full of His life, to be full of His anointing. Thank you, Father. If you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I need to be able to pray for somebody, and it happened. I need to pray for my family. I need to pray for my finances. And it happened. I need to stop playing games. I need resurrection power to manifest in me and through my hands. Just keep standing. If that's you, stand up. Don't wait. It's not time to play games. We're in the last of the last days. It's time to be serious. It's time to be powerful. It's time to be the light. We got to stop saying, I'm a Christian, but then we don't actually step out and do anything about it. We produce no fruit. It's time to produce the fruit of God. If that's you, stand up now. I need Jesus to manifest in me. If you want that power, I ask you to come up now to the front. up there you just come right on glory to God just say it with me father I won't be ready yeah I need the power of God I need to be his light he's not gonna have to search for me I'll be searching for him yeah 
Only local events today. Yeah, y'all both of us, both of us. Pray, baby. Oh, Yamago, Baleloma. On the list of Come on up, anybody. All the robots of Retina. Yeah, Lord. starting to sense that rise up inside of you why? because you have an inheritance we're just activating it tonight, we're activating that power that power of God, resurrection power just let his anointing start to flow and rise, if you have the Holy Ghost, just start praying in the Holy Ghost right now yeah glory thank you Father Thank you, Father. That's the anointing all over you. That's the anointing. Jesus calling. It's time. It's time, isn't it? Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. Resurrection power. Now. Oh, Thank you. 